Matthew chapter number 11. Matthew chapter number 11. Uh, we are going to take a little change of direction that we have and make decisions. Here we are getting into the month of February. How many of you remember those little notes that you used to pass in grade school? I like you. Do you like me? Check yes or no. All right. A few of them remember that. Did anybody ever get any back? Praise God. All the ones that I got back always had another extra box that said maybe. To be honest with you, it kind of hurt my feelings, but uh, almost get a, a, a rather check a no rather than a maybe, because then I'm just in limbo. But in Matthew chapter number 11, we are faced with a decision that we have to make. To be honest with you, we are all, Brother Don already said, we're faced with decisions every day of our life. We're, just, we're faced with whether to get up, what time to get up whether to comb your hair, whether to brush your teeth. And I'm sure that all of you brushed your teeth today, praise God. And uh, so thankful that you do that. But we do have decisions, whether to eat, what to eat, that sort of thing. Decisions that we go through, and we all make those decisions every day. And I'll be honest with you, some decisions that we make, they're good decisions. The best decision that you will ever make, in the, ever, 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 is deciding to follow Jesus Christ. Is that song that we have already sung. The best decision that you'll ever make is to be able to say that I want to make sure that my eternity is set and I decide that I trust and follow Jesus Christ as my Savior. That's one of the best decisions or the best decision that you can make. But let's just be real honest. Some other decisions are pretty poor decisions. Some of them are downright awful. But they're all decisions. Every action that we take uh, is because, and every path that we ever travel down is because of a decision that we made. Whether it be a decision that we made 20 years ago, or whether it was a decision that we made yesterday, we're going to have to deal and live with the consequences of those decisions. And just as we need to do that, and I'm thankful that we have, and I've heard, that, Brother James, that there's an amazing thing to me, is that you can make almost 35,000 decisions in a day. Can you imagine doing that? Whether you want to run that red light or whether you don't want to run that red light. Whether you want to, whether that, that stop sign really means spin tires on pavement. That's what my dad taught me was it spin tires on pavement. That's what that meant. Um, but uh, I got in trouble for that one too. But those decisions that we make, we're making those. But eternity, our eternity only has one of two decisions. Eternity only has that one thing, and Bible is filled with decisions and invitations that we have. Jesus offers several invitations, and every one of his invitations that he gives is demands that we take a uh, have a eternity, and, and eternity demands a decision that is every everything that we have. And I'll be honest with you, there cannot be a maybe box when we make the decision of eternity. We cannot have a maybe box when it comes with the decision of whether we, what we do with Jesus Christ. It has to be a simple yes or no. Either I accept or I reject. And there are several invitations that Jesus gives, and, and, and we, we look at those invitations. Well, one invitation that Jesus to the weary disciples in Mark chapter number 6, they were so weary, they were going through, they were working so hard, and they came back from being uh, dispersed and sent out to be able to go, and they were amazed at it, but they were weary. And, and have you ever just been tired? 
just wore out. Where it's just seems like I have been working so hard, I've been doing so much. Uh, I can I want to share this with you, uh, and some of you may remember that I, I did share this a long time ago. Uh, my, my brother-in-law Jim Hamry, that uh, is in heaven right now, praise God. Uh, years ago, years ago, that uh, and this verse always comes to my mind because Jesus said that you're weary, come and, and rest a while with me. The reason that Brother Jim, my brother-in-law, passed away, or as uh, he comes to my mind, is because he was a, a guy that would firefighter, strong guy that do that. But then in off days, he would be one of those men that would go out and take care of your lawns and manicure the lawns and cut the grass and that sort of thing. And and, uh, and I said, Jim, I need to make some money. I need to you help me make some money. He said, Yeah, Jim, come on, you you just go ahead, you with me, and and uh, you can you can take care. I, I'll I'll let you. Get on the lawnmower and all that sort of stuff. Well, I thought getting on a lawnmower meant a riding lawnmower. But that was not what he decided to give to me. He gave me the push lawnmower. And then, I, I'll never forget, Brother Richard, we got to that very first house, and I, I was uh, uh, got there, and it was kind of heavy, and I was thinking, man, this is, you know, but it was level ground, it was all right, and then I was able to move to the next house, and that one had a little bit, Brother Steve, had a little bit of an incline, so it was pushing, and then we got to the third house, and I was thinking, I'm pretty wore out, I'm pretty tuckered by this thing. This is the heaviest lawnmower I have ever pushed in my life. And then we get to the third house, and we get to the third house, I look up, and, and I'm thinking, okay, this is this nice flat, maybe this is the one I'll have to do the little bit of the backyard, and, and he said, no, we've got to do that one, and it was this incline. And I thought to myself, well, I know he's the one that's riding on that very big, very nice, fancy lawnmower that's going, you know, big, big lawnmower, he'll be able to take that lawnmower, and, and, uh, and I'll, I'll be able to just push around the little things that need to be taken care of. And he said, well, that, my, my lawnmower, the big one, it, it won't go on that incline, so you're going to have to use that push lawnmower to do that. Boy, I was sweating, I was sweating, I was sweating. I was doing all I could do. I pushed that thing up down, finally got through that thing. I was so tired, I was so angry, I was upset. And I took that lawnmower and I put it up in that trailer and I slung it up in there and I sat down in the front seat and Jim said, are you okay? I said, man, I am tired, I'm weary, I need some rest. He said, why, what's, what's wrong? I said, because that lawnmower is the heaviest lawnmower I have ever pushed in my life. And he said, well, Shane, did you use the self-propelled function? I didn't know that it was a self-propelled lawnmower. Then it just angered me anymore. So I think I needed some rest. And that's what Jesus, his invitation to those disciples were. You are weary, you're working, you're doing everything that you could do. You need some rest. Come and rest a while. Mark chapter number 6, verse number 31. But then we also have another invitation that Jesus to his, to the question of where do you live? The disciples of John came to him and said, where do you live? And he simply said this, come and see. An invitation to be able to go in, to be able to see what he was doing and where he was going. Another invitation was this, that, the, that an unsuccessful disciple that was fishing, those disciples that were fishing all night and, and they were preparing and, and Jesus Christ uh, prepared breakfast for them and he told them in John chapter number 21, he said, come and dine. Wow. Those invitations that we have, but each one of those invitations that Jesus Christ made had a decision. Those disciples could decide whether they went and dined with Jesus or not. 
Those disciples had a choice whether they would sit down and rest with Jesus for a little while. Those disciples had a decision to make whether they would uh, go forth and to be able to see and see what Jesus Christ was doing. But it's here that we have a, a shining star of invitations to the individual that's seeking the Lord Jesus Christ. The most important decision that we will ever make is what to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 28, here it is. Come unto me, all ye that labor... And are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Boy, it's so good. I think I'll just read it one more time. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. See, when Matthew starts talking in verse, and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he begins with the all-important genealogies of Jesus Christ, connects him with Abraham and goes all the way forward to Jesus Christ and how he is there part of the family. And then he connects Jesus, uh, goes a little further, and he jumps into the account where the wise men come and, and visit Jesus as a child, just a little babe, and, and to be able to see that time. And then he goes on and they, they give the gifts. And then he quickly moves into the early ministry of Jesus Christ, which is benchmarked by the the baptism of Jesus Christ. And then he goes a little further in chapter number 4. When he's in chapter number 4, what is he seeing? The temptation of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he battles Satan. And then 5, 6, 7, those are the Sermon on the Mount, the detailed notes that Jesus Christ gives. Boy, he sets the bar high. He moves it from one place into another. It's absolutely amazing that Sermon on the Mount that you go through and you see that. And then Matthew recounts all of those things. And then we get into chapter number 8, 9, 10. And we begin to see those the healings that he did. The wonders that he was working. The healing of, uh, of those that were sick. Casting out of demons. The calming of the sea. The, the disciples that were being sent out. We see all of those accounts. But then beginning here in chapter number 11, Matthew records some reactions. And you think about... How did the people react to what this wonderful, working, miracle-working God-man was doing? How were they reacting to him? To be honest with you, the reaction is all important. They were watching and they were responding to what Jesus Christ did. In chapter number 11, you look at verse number 3 and it's talking about John the Baptist. And to be honest with you, real simply, you have 10 different accounts that he goes through through about chapter number 16 from chapter number 11. And he counts what's going on and what they're doing and the reaction that they're having. And John the Baptist, the one that was the forerunner, he is, he's truly undecided. If you look at chapter number 11, verse number 3. He's undecided. And then if you look at this generation in verse number 15, 16, 17 of chapter number 11, Jesus Christ begins to say this generation is a wicked generation. They're the ones that these cities that uh, are rejecting. And he puts uh, a judgment upon them. He tells them that there's a judgment. And they were unresponsive to what was going on uh, with Jesus Christ. And then those uh, Galilean cities were also having judgment placed on them because they were unrepentant. Boy, to be an unrepentant city, the unrepentant people. The Pharisees, when we get to chapter number 12, is a unreasonable. They always wanted to deal with him. They always wanted to cause another problem. You ever, you ever met somebody that's just like that? Boy, they, they just want to cause problems. They just want to cause a stir. There's going to be a problem that they can do. Uh, all of those things. And those Pharisees were always trying to do that. Chapter number 13, the multitudes were coming along and the multitudes were undiscerning. They couldn't believe. They didn't know. They didn't know how to discern what Jesus Christ was doing. They didn't know that God was in the flesh right there before them. Their minds and their eyes were blinded. Then the, the people of Nazareth, they were unbelieving. They said, you know, we don't believe you're just the son of a carpenter. You're not really truly a son of God, are you? You're not really claiming to be that. 
You go a little further in chapter number 14, verse number 2, it's Herod the king, and he is just really downright unintelligent about it. Why? Because he's seeing that these great miracles are taking place, and what does he account that for? Well, that must be the fact that John the Baptist has been risen from the dead, and he's doing all this just to scare me. No, it's the Son of God that's taking care of this. Then you have the Jerusalem scribes in chapter number 15, and and they're unconciliatory. They don't want to get along. Nobody wants to get along with one another. They might just be Baptists. You never know. They go through, you have these problems, and and those scribes are unconciliatory. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are going right after him. In chapter number 16, verse number 1, they're constantly nagging him, going him, show us a sign, show us a sign, tell us really, truly what's going on. They're just unrelenting on him. And it's not until you get to chapter number 16, verse number 16, that you actually get where Jesus Christ begins to talk to his disciples. And he says, well, who does men say that I am? Well, some say that you're this, this, this. But then he gets real pointed with them and says, well, who do you say that I am? The decision is all about what you say, what you do, what you do with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the apostles were finally recognizing. Peter says, thou art the son of God, the Christ. You are the only one that can take away sins of this world. Thank God that they recognized that. But it was for five chapters that were unrelenting people were coming. And no belief, there was nothing that was going on. Yeah, there were sparse people here and there that God was touching along the way. But it seemed like he was always being rejected. But our decisions here tonight is simply put, what do we do with Jesus Christ? What would you do this invitation that we have? And I say the decision to invitation or here that we have, the decision to rest is simply this. It's here in that reaction, that an unrepentant city. In verse chapter number 11, here we are in verse number 28 that Jesus Christ begins to say this. You begin to see this. And he turns from, he had been preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven here is at hand. And then he turns from the uh, corporate world, corporate uh, uh, people, and he begins to turn to the individual. He begins to minister to the individual believer. Come unto me. Boy, personal pronouns that are used there. And I will give them rest. What a wonderful thought that we have to be able to look at that. He prophesied the judgment upon these cities and and turned to that individual and he proclaimed that the kingdom of heaven was at hand, but now he's turning his focus there to that individual one. That personal pronoun is incomparable. If you look back through the, the verses that are here recorded in Matthew under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, none of those compared to the personal pronouns that are here begin to see. And I want you to look at a few things with me tonight and we'll not be long. We'll get out by 745, praise God. I don't guess y'all believe that. But we'll get out by 745. You never know. But if you look with me, you look at this, it, look with it, and we say this, it's the call. The call of Jesus Christ that we have. The very first thing that I see, what? Verse chapter number 11 and Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 28. Come unto me. All ye that are that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That call is sweet. Why? Because it is a personal call from the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And I'm glad that one day, Brother Earl, when I was just a six-year-old little boy, that I had a personal call. Praise God. And each and every one of you can remember the day that Jesus Christ saved your soul. How is that? Why? Because He called you. He wasn't calling a church. He wasn't calling a congregation. He wasn't calling any uh, a group of people. He was simply saying, hey, it's your turn to trust me as your Savior. It's your turn that you be able to trust. And your decision is completely and utterly yours. Nobody can make it for you. When I was a young boy, Brother Oliver, it seemed like that my mom and dad was able to tell me, and, and, and you know what, to be honest with you, at 40 some odd years old, they still tell me what to do sometimes. And you know what I say? Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. And we have. But boy, when I was young, my mom and dad made all the decisions for me, what I would eat and where I would go and how I... My mom would even dress me. Glory to God. And some of the things, if you saw some of the pictures that my mama dressed me in. It would be terrible. But those things that he, she dressed me in, she decided where I'd go to school, where I would do this, and how I'd get my homework done, and whether I'd do this, and whether I'd do that. And they made all those decisions for me. But that night, when uh, that Friday night, when I had to decide, I had to decide for myself. <laughs> I, I couldn't depend on brother, uh, brother Don to be able to make a decision and say, Dad, Dad, should I, should I accept Christ and should I do that? You know, and he couldn't say for me, Brother James, yes, that God, that he wants to accept you. I had to do that within my own heart. I had to do that and that call came directly to me. And that call is still proclaiming even tonight when we look through Revelation chapter number 3, verse number 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock and any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and I will sup with him and he with me. What a wonderful promise that Jesus... Jesus Christ gives to us to tell us that, hey, if you'll just open the door, I'm knocking on the door. I'm the one that's knocking. I'm the one that's coming to your house. Glory to God. I love the fact that he went to Zacchaeus' house. He went to his house and he said, I'm going to your house today. I'm not going to your neighbor. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm depending on going to your place and it's your decision to be able to make. That decision is simply that, that if we can decide whether we're going to come and we're going to heed the call that Jesus Christ was able to give to us. But what kind of call is it? It's a unique call. It's a unique call. Why? Because there's none other could say these words. No man that has ever walked upon the face of the earth could possibly say, come unto me and I will give you rest. Why is it that I'm so confident that I could say that no other one could say that? Because Adam himself, the very first man created by God, where he breathed the breath of life into him, could not say, hey, if you'll come to me, I'll give you rest. Why? Because he had to go to God. He had to make sure that he went to God. Nobody could say that. All those men had to stand silent. Boy, those great leaders that are of the past that are there, the monarchs, the people that have ruled over all the nations over these years, the presidents that have stood over here at the great nation of the United States of America, none of those could stand and come and say, come to me, I will give you rest. If you depend on the government to do something for you, you're going to be in trouble. So here we are. We got, we're not going to leave the, the, the eternity that we have. It's simply that, that those uh, respected men of God, those preachers, the preachers and the pastors and the great men of God that we have, we can't depend upon them to, to be able to make a call for us. It is the Lord Jesus Christ that makes that call, that call that's unique, that nobody else can do that. Nobody else can offer that. Why is that? Because He is God. Or any other that is directing 
by the Holy Spirit of God, I believe with all of my heart, Brother Kyle, that if they ever say, come to me, then they're not directed to the Holy Spirit of God. But if a man is going to stand behind the book board and be able to preach the Word of God, they're going to direct you to one and one only. And that is the one that is worthy. Sister Jessie was singing about the one that's worthy that's seated on the throne high and lifted up right now in that, in that wonderful place called heaven that we have. The point that we have to go through is to point to Jesus Christ. The decision there is unique that we have. That call is unique. Why? Because you say that John chapter number 14 is still in the Bible. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I love this one. And no man Coming to the Father, but by me. There's no other way that we can get to heaven. There's no other way that we can have forgiveness of sins. There's no other way that we can do that. And I'll be honest with you. This, this one helps me. Why? Because I get excited about, about how this is. The call, there's a lot of times where I, I may not have understood a lot of things in my life. I may not have understood some things that people have said to me and told me to do. Or maybe not understood something. But the call is... Not only is it unique, but it is uncomplicated. It's not something that's going to be hard for you to understand. It wasn't hard for me to understand at all. I want you to look. I want you to look at this very first word. Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 28. What is the very first word in that verse? What does it say? Come. And I'll be honest with you, Brother Steve, I got excited because I'm, I'm studying through and I'm like, you know, Lord, help me. And, and, and he points me in this direction. And I'm thinking, well, this is, this is a very simple verse. And it's not going to be a whole lot to and, and, and he just said, keep digging, keep digging, and keep praying. And, and then, then all of a sudden, it hit me. And I don't know how it hit me. I don't know why it hit me. But, but it hit me. I remember standing by my wife, Sister Heather, uh, and she was in travail for 37 hours with our oldest son. And as she uh, birthed that baby boy, she was there and they, they, they started to get him and, and they said, they, they started to put Daniel up onto her chest. And when she did, I heard, this is what I heard. Come here, baby. Glory to God. It's going to hit you in a minute. Come here, baby. Why is it going to hit you there? Why? Because there's a fact that she was saying, hey, it doesn't matter what all the problems and all the trials and tribulations, everything that's going through, she's saying, come, come to me. Come to me, I want to hold you. Come, I, want to, I love you. The very first words that we completely understand, a lot of times it's worth, and I'll go on. It, it started going, Brother Steve, a little further, a little further, and my mind started going down that path, and, and she would begin to, Daniel, when he was beginning to be in a little pack and play, she'd just put her arms down, and she'd say, come here, baby. And he'd reach his, he'd reach his little arms up, just so trusting, so sweetly to be able to know that, Mama's got everything in control. Mama's going to take care of everything and everything's going. And then I remember we would do this. And Ethan, when we got to Ethan, it was really good. Um, he was one of those lazy babies that just rolled. He didn't want to want to crawl or walk. He just rolled everywhere. So we bribed him with a bottle of sweet tea. Glory to God. And then we finally got him to start walking a little bit. He'd take a few more steps. He'd take a few more steps. And as he took a few more steps, and we'd take that little bottle. And it was really mean, Brother James, because we'd take it. He'd get just about there, and we'd slide it back a little bit more. That was mean. I know it was. But, but he'd get so mad. And, 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 then, and, then, and then I hear Heather. I can still hear her saying, 
I'm the mama. I'm the mama. You realize that, that that word is so simple that that little baby knew what that word meant. When that little baby began to realize that, hey, I understand, we start to tell our children, come to me, come to me, come. Mm, glory to God, I'm getting overwhelmed with my own preaching right now. But she's saying, saying, come to me, come to me. Now we have Jesus Christ. Glory to God, God Almighty going before us. And he's saying, come unto me, come to me. Just follow me. Just go ahead and, 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 and I will take care of you. I will satisfy you. I'm calling to you right now. I'll give you what you need. I'll give you what you are desiring right now. And this is one of those very first words that we understand as children. But thank God that I remember when I was that little boy that I could understand that God was calling into me and coming unto me. And, and I said, I can go uh, to the Father. I can go to the Savior and have salvation. That call is wonderful. And it's not, un- it's uncomplicated. It's not one of those difficult things to understand Jesus Christ, that even a child can understand what Jesus is saying. A lot of people try to say that you have to do this and that and the other and to be able to go through these rituals and these ceremonies and you have to obey obey this and go through this and you got to jump over this hoop and you got to learn how to hula hoop. Well, if you had to learn how to hula hoop, I was in trouble already. It's not that. It's simple. Trust. Trust Jesus Christ. As your Savior. But I want you to look. I want you to look at, look at number two. I want you to look at the company that he's talking to. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden. What is that decision that we have? Uh, this is not an exclusive club. Aren't you glad that church is not one of those exclusive places that you have to be able to be in the know, to be able to know this or that, or to be able to be invited or be in a, to a secret place to be able to come? You've got to know a secret handshake or something like that. You've got to have a secret code or a pass. No, the secret is Jesus Christ, and he's no secret at all. He's standing there with everybody, and he's saying, Come unto me, all ye, all of us. And I'll just go ahead. Yes, Jesus Christ is the only way. People say all the time, well, the reason we have problems with Christianity is because of the exclusivity that they have. That They say that there's no other way to be able to deal with this or that. And I'll have to say this, that you're right. It's not exclusive to a certain type of person. It's not exclusive to a certain style of people. It's not a nation that is, is, uh, that is decided to. It's, it's not a certain type of thing that's going on. But it is one way. And everybody has to go the same way. And that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the only way. Everyone must go. But He is the way for everybody. And I'm glad that I'm a everybody or anybody or a whosoever. So much that you say, Jesus is saying that he's the only way. And he'll go ahead and he'll do all these things for each and every one of us. All ye, praise God. John chapter number 6, verse number 37. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast him out. Do you realize that Jesus has never rejected one person that has taken a step towards him? He says, come, and they respond, and he will save their soul. He will never reject that person. Uh, you say, how are you so confident about that? Second Peter chapter number 3, verse number 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, not willing that any should perish. Any. And by the way, it goes on and it says, that, but that all should come 
to repentance. Any and all means everybody. Glory to God. It's not exclusive to any certain type of people, certain sort of way. You get into the book of the end of the Bible, you get into chapter number 22 in Revelation, verse number 17, and it says, And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. It doesn't cost a dime, praise God. And it's free that we give it. And whosoever, whosoever, it doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, what you've done in your life, Jesus Christ will accept you if you respond to His call to Him. Glory to God, His blood is sufficient for the vilest of sinners. Praise God that His blood is sufficient for anyone that would place their faith and trust in Him. You begin to look at these words, you begin to look at these words, and what do they really truly mean? And, and I begin to look at this, and it says, All the ye that, that labor... Hmm. I looked up that word, it says wearied, fatigued, exhausted. I put it in my terms, just plain burned out. I'm doing all I can. I don't know how I'll be able to do it. And Jesus is saying, come unto me, and I'll give you rest. All ye that Labor, fatigued. Those of you who are burned out for centuries, to be, be honest with you, the, the devil has deceived many by saying that you've got to do this, you have to live this way, you have to live up to this standard, you've got to do these sort of things, you have to uh, uh, be doing these works. There's false religions all over the world that preach to people that you have to do works to be able to be saved, to have to earn salvation. And it is not of works, lest any man should boast, as it says in Ephesians chapter number 2, verse number 9. We look at that and we begin to say that, hey, it's not what I can do, but it is what God has already done for each and every one of us. Boy, there's many that striving to earn their salvation. What do they do with these verses in Ephesians 2? But the Jewish people, and Jesus was speaking to, to the a, a majority surrounding around him, Jewish people, and they were so labored with the ceremonial law and the traditions of man. And all they had to do was come to him. And he would set them free. All he has to do. And now, today, tonight, what we have to do, if we really truly want peace, if we really truly want rest, all we have to do is surrender over to him, give it all over to him and say, God, I don't know what to do with this. I'm just giving you, uh, giving you every part of this and I will give it to you. Don't worry about these ceremonial laws. Don't worry about all of these things. Peter was preaching in Acts chapter number 15 and he says, Now therefore, why tempt the, ye God? To put a yoke upon the neck of his disciples, which neither our fathers nor we are able to bear. You're not able to do those things. But God says you are able to do what I can tell you to do. Just come to me. See, man-made religion depends on what you do or what you don't do in order to have eternal life. But Jesus' solution is real simple. Come unto me. And decide to get that rest, to be able to, to go into Him. And also, you begin to look, that word labored is that, that wearied, that one that's uh, uh, so troubled. But then we get into the heavy laden. Heavy laden means to actually to place a burden or a load upon someone. 
picture that light, we, we go on and actually in the next couple of verses, in verse number 29 and 30, Jesus is talking about the, the yoke and, and how he'd be able to share that yoke, to be able to take that yoke. His yoke is easy. And we, we go through all that. And, and that word picture is all throughout that. This word picture of that old wise, that old wise oxen that's sitting there. And he knows that if he just stays along, then it'll be all right. Because there's another one that'll be able to share the load. But Brother Lonnie, you know what excites me about the fact that Jesus Christ doesn't say, I'll tell you what, if you, if you move over, then I'll share your load with you. I'll, I'll help you with your load. <laughs> he doesn't say that. What does Jesus say? Jesus says, I'll tell you what, you give all your cares and you give all your sins to me and I'll take your load. Which means... Which means I don't have a load to carry anymore. That you don't have a load to carry anymore. When you give everything over to Jesus Christ, you give your life over to Jesus Christ, trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you don't have to worry and carry that sin debt, that sin uh, guilt of sin on your life anymore. You simply just give it over to Him and He carries it for you. He's not the one that's saying, listen, I need a little help with this burden. It's a little harder than I thought it was going to be. Boy, that, that heavy laden, you've sinned a little bit more than somebody else. No, He doesn't do that. He simply says that I'll take your burden burden, I'll give your burden, you give your burden completely to me, and I will take that. Boy, the psalmist in Psalm chapter number 38 said it this way, for my iniquities are going over my head as in a heavy burden, and they are too heavy for me. Can I simply say that the day I got saved, I realized <laughs> that it, the sin with debt was too big for me. The burden of sin was too big for me. And I'll be honest with you, can somebody else even look at me and be able to say that the day that I got saved, when I got up from an old-fashioned altar, and when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior, I felt like I lost a million pounds. Why did you feel like you lost a million pounds? Because the burden of the debt of sin and the guilt of sin had been lifted off of your shoulders because you no longer bear it, because there's one greater than you that can bear it all on His own. He has done that. He has forgiven us. And we no longer have have our sin upon us. Glory to God. I'm not sinless, but being a Christian should make me sin less. And thank God that God has taken care of all of those things for me. The only place that we could take that load and to be able to dispose of it is at the foot of the cross. Glory to God. The only place that we can do that. Jesus bore all of that for us. And He invites us, come unto me and I, all of you that are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I remember that song, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. Why is that? Because Jesus Christ took every burden from me at that very moment. And I ain't got over it since. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I don't know if any of you can tell or not, but I'm excited that God has done that for us. Boy, we have that. Not only we look, look at, look at the very first part of the last part of the verse. Last part of the verse. And we'll be done by 845, I promise. Look at the verse, at the end of that verse. Number three, the certainty of it. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I... We'll give you rest. There are but a few things that are for sure in this life. 
Job said it this way, man is, that is born of head, a woman is a few days and a full of trouble. We're going to have plenty of problems in this world. That's pretty sure. Now, I've always been told that there's a couple of other things. The other couple of things, are the only two things that are really sure in life are taxes and death. April 15th is one of mine. We won't even go there. But I tell you, the certainty that God has given to us. See, death is an appointment that we all have to keep. That's what Job goes on to say that after, after he's talking about that we're full of trouble and you're going to die someday. There's going to be a day that we close our eyes in death unless the Lord Jesus Christ comes and, and, and takes us all home. And, and I'll be honest with you, brother, way, I pray that God would take us all out. Boy, it'd be good if we got taken in the rapture right now before, praise God, before we even get out of church tonight. To be able to have the marriage supper of the Lamb would be a whole lot better than Chick-fil-A tonight. Glory to God. We go through and we look at the certainty what Jesus Christ has done. That, that there's, there's two things. This is the Word of God. Hebrews chapter number 6 tells us that by two immutable things, which was, it's impossible for God to lie. Titus chapter number 1 says, in the hope of eternal, which God that cannot lie. When God tells us something, it is the truth. When Jesus Christ says something, you see something in red letters, like this verse in chapter number 11 of Matthew 28. You look at that verse, the letters are in red. Those are the words of God. That is good. You can take it to the bank. Don't worry about it. God is good for His promises that He's given to us. But where the certainty is simply that this, that it's a personal call that He has given to us. I will. You ever had somebody promise you something and then they were not able to follow through on that promise? I've seen that happen a lot. I've had it happen to me, Brother Earl. There's been times in my life where I've been disappointed. To be honest with you, I've been disappointed with all kinds of people from all walks and shades of life. It doesn't, doesn't matter. There's been times that we, we, we have those problems, but the guarantee is only as good as the guarantor. And once again, who's speaking here? God Almighty. And He cannot lie. There's no banker that can buy rest and there's no king that can supply rest to his people and there's no president that could legislate rest. There's, there's no engineer that can manufacture rest. It's exclusively able to be given by one and one only. And he's the one that's promising it. He's the one that promises. The certainty is that I will. You say, Brother Shane, do you really believe a promise like that? Well, oh, I guarantee you that I believe it. Why? Because it is a promise from Him. I will give you rest. Rest is that, I'll be honest with you, that rest is that unspeakable relief for a soul that has been haunted by sin all their life. Boy, you get rest. The rest through Jesus Christ and what He has done. And we are promised that by the Savior, Jesus Christ. You say, is that promise good? Well, I believe in John chapter number 14, verse number 3. He tells us, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, what does he say? I will come again. And if we believe and trust that Jesus Christ said that he's preparing a place, and we believe that he's doing that, and then we also believe that he is going to come and get us again, shouldn't we believe it when Jesus Christ says that, come unto me and I will give you rest? Boy, we should remember that. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 11, boys, the, those disciples were looking up in awe as Jesus Christ was brought up into the, the, the clouds and was taken away. And they're sitting there saying, well, what do we do now? What's going on? Where did he go? 
Well, he'd already spent the last half of the Bible telling them where he's headed, but, you know, we'll go past that. Where's he going? And then those two men that's clothed in right, those angels, they, they come down and they say, I, this same Jesus that you saw come is going to come again in like manner. He's going to come just like he told you he would come back. And boy, First Thessalonians chapter number 4, verse number 16, for the Lord himself shall, glory to God, return. Thank God that we have the promises. And if we can bank on all those promises and we can shout over the fact that God has promised us all those things, I believe that we can shout to say that we can have rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have rest. Why? Because we place our faith and trust that coming unto Him, and no matter what our labors are, no matter what our heavy ladens are, no matter what is it happened in our life, we can give, go to Him and He will give us that rest. See, the invitation is simple, but it demands an answer. Will you really trust Jesus Christ with your rest tonight? It's a decision that you make. The insight of this verse is really truly that, you know, look at all these people and I'm going to give you rest. Look at this. It displays the condition of mankind that we need somebody outside of ourselves to be able to take control and to be able to take our sins from us. Take all those burdens from us. But the greatest thing is that the results and the instruction defends from the guilt of sin. I can promise you this. If anybody is here tonight and they have had that sin brought up to them time, time, time again. You remember this? You remember when you you remember what happened at, do you know, that's not the voice of God. That's the devil himself. The demons of hell playing and toying with your mind, trying to throw your sins up before you again. God has forgiven you if you have trusted him as your savior. You don't have to worry. Because God has already taken care of. Defending from the guilt of sin. And it's decisions that we make tonight. Decisions that we say, I need some rest. And I'll trust Jesus with my rest. He told me to come. I'll trust him. He says, I will give you rest. Or tonight, we just need to go ahead and say, Lord, I give up. I give over. And if you say you'll give me that rest, I sure need it right now. I sure need that rest tonight. We can have it through him. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father.